1: where we offer a different perspective on food culture issues around Australia and the world.
0: We'll talk with chefs, producers, business owners and experts to hear their stories and find out what makes them
1: tick. The COVID-19 pandemic has devastated the hospitality industry with forced business closures, tens of thousands of staff layoffs and businesses doing what they can to survive. There's so much to talk about, so this is a longer episode where we go deep on the impacts of the epidemic, the government's response, the way businesses have adapted and what the future may hold. Let's do it. (laughs) <laughs> Hello, Simon. Hey, mate. How's it going? Long, long, long time no see. How you been, mate?
0: Yeah, you know, it's been my that's been my stock answer when anyone asks ask me that over last yeah uh, last month. But how's it going? Like, yep, yep. Yeah,
1: it's going. it's, it's, it's going. one of those it's one of those few times that's um I think it's completely acceptable for any any restaurant owner to say really fucking shit house to be honest <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah yeah normally like you know normally someone's like running businesses something's going on and something's stressing you out but normally it's like oh yeah pretty good yeah busy but now i can't even muster the, the strength to lie yeah <laughs> about exactly. something like that it's like yeah pretty shit
1: pretty shit yeah, really. so, mm. yeah. tough it's times time. all right well We've got plenty plenty to talk about. Obviously, this will be yeah. our big um, COVID-19 podcast that we're doing remotely as I'm here in Browley on the south coast. Um, I got down here. I've been down here for, what, three weeks, almost a month now. For those who th- think that I'm travelling on the Easter break to to get away from the city, I'm not, I've been down here and I'm not allowed to return back to Wollongong apparently, so um, over Easter anyway, so... I'm here, uh, and Simon's Nuck. up in Wollongong, broadcasting from Night Parrot. Yeah, um, Night no Parrot. Yeah. As as uh, with any podcast, let's start with an acknowledgement of country, as we're broadcasting from two different two different uh, places today. Uh, me here down in Browley, I'd like to acknowledge the UN Nation who are the traditional custodians of the land of this region, the Yoruba and uh, other regions of the South Coast, and acknowledge Elders past, present and emerging. And we'd also like to acknowledge the Wadi Wadi people of the Darawal Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land where Simon is broadcasting from today and pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging from up that way. But yeah, Simon, uh, let's let's get on with it. I guess um, it's... It, with the type of thing that we're doing with this podcast, it's it's unavoidable for us to uh, talk about this issue. It's, it's, it's probably going to be the biggest issue affecting the food and hospitality industry of at least the decade, let's hope, it's more than the decade. Let's hope it's the the century or the 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 half century or whatever it is, because this is something that hasn't happened. This is a this is a one in what they say a one in one hundred years global crisis. Uh, we haven't seen anything like it since the Spanish flu in 1914, um, and yeah, we're really living through a international crisis at the moment that um is going to have so many impacts but our job is to reflect on and talk about how it's affecting food and hospitality so we have to do it mm.
0: yeah took a i mean we spoke about doing a podcast on COVID 19 and uh time is a weird construct now maybe it was a month ago maybe it's three weeks ago we were everyone was still trading but um at the time it kind of it was just happening so quickly i definitely felt that i didn't really want to talk more about it than i already was um and it's probably taken this amount of time to get my head around it a bit and actually feel like i want to chat about it
1: yeah i like i mean not being a not being a restaurant owner but um you know selling books and things like that and and doing freelance work and having all sorts of work cancelled um and stuff there was a period there where i felt the same where i I felt like there was so much uncertainty that uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have ever known where to start when it came to yeah. to sort of like talking about this issue. And I think that potentially now that restaurants are essentially shut down, apart from takeaway and delivery, um, you know, there's other things going on. We've got our Uh, you know, our social distancing and isolation habits and policies in place. And the uncertainty is a word that has been thrown around so much during this crisis. But I think that kind of ironically, we now are in a period of a bit more uncertainty in that the government has put through a bunch of legislation that people now can understand how to sort of manage and deal with with um, new legislation going through uh, yesterday that we will talk about. And also with a, a bit of normality around social distancing and isolation, people know what to do and know what they are, are and aren't allowed to do because yeah. we will talk about that first week that there was just, it was just chaos and no one knew where or what or how anything worked.
0: Yeah, I think we're... I mean, the the future in the long term is still uncertain, but I think we've everyone's well, very quickly and swiftly moved to this new normal, um, and everyone's kind of set up with uh, you know how they're going to attempt to navigate the next couple of months. Um, so at least we know um, that we are all only allowed to do takeaways and deliveries um and like i said social distancing rules um so we kind of know what we're in for for the short term um which you know three weeks ago it was changing every day so uh, we're uncertain about the uncertainty
1: now mm. Mm. or something like yeah that. it's a it's a weird world out there but i i don't know about for you but i think the sort of the existential anxiety of coronavirus itself and, and, and stuff has been somewhat, like, alleviated in terms of, you know, the thought of getting sick and the thought of... Um, you know the thought of our system our 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 healthcare system collapsing and and those sorts of things of course we face huge challenges when it comes to economics in our industry and things like that but i definitely with with these all these you know hard and firm policies and things like that in place i i think the anxiety level for me anyway over the last say three weeks is definitely less now than it was at the beginning what about you
0: um yeah, existentially, uh, Yeah,
1: <laughs> still in some
0: despair. Um, yeah, I, I think it's the same thing. It's just we, uh, it all happened, everything seemed to happen very quick. And every day, especially in that that week where so many laws were implemented for hospitality, um, which I still think needs like a pithy name, Black Week mm. or Shit House mm-hmm. Week, Shit Fight Week.
1: Mm, the week the system crumbled or yeah, I don't know. yeah yeah some
0: something something slightly witty um just just had no idea what was happening and, and you know days before you know there was no certainty about things getting locked down or was having to close so um i think now we've just uh i guess accepted what has happened and are starting to move forward so mm. and as much as anything it's it's there's there's only a certain amount of time to really um you know be down about it and be depressed about it because then you have to start to you know get back up and crack back on and and try and work out a way of, of getting through all this so as much as anything i think you know myself had two days of being uh Particularly down and um, didn't really do much myself, and kind of hid away. Um, and then from there, it was like, "Well, fuck! We've got to get back up and and, and push on now." So mm. I think we just uh, just ran out of time to feel sorry for ourselves.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, that's probably a good thing. Whatever forces you to move move forward is 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 positive because you can can stop thinking about things a bit and be pragmatic. Um, let's start, Simon. Let's start with a little. A bit of a chronological, you know, chat about how things went across that week, and maybe beforehand. Let's start before, before crazy week. Um, we'll think of a better name for it, and maybe we put it in the <laughs> podcast title or something it. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, before, before that week how uh between your two businesses with with you know coronavirus being something uh that was increasing we were seeing more and more cases of it in australia um people were starting to look at social distancing people were beginning to not shake hands and beginning to and 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 panic buying was definitely something that started quite early a, lo- a long time before um before restaurants and things were closed um did you see a reduction in trade from people wanting to not go out? Did you did you lose a lot of bookings previous to that that week?
0: Um, not really. We were still pretty solid. Um, we were starting to get in the quiet period anyway, so kind of hard to tell. Um, we lost minimal bookings. Um, the I can't remember if it was the, it was the week of. We... Either just the week before or the week of, again, mm-hmm. time very um, interesting concept over those times. Um, we lost a big group booking because mm-hmm. um, some people were sick. I don't think they actually had COVID in the end, but they're you know, playing it safe. So we lost lost a big booking of like twenty. But other than that, we were we had a we had a really good we had a really good week uh, the week before, and then even the. The week of Crazy Week, we did pretty good numbers, even with the reduced capacities we had. Really? Um, I mean, the, sat- the, the Saturday before um, the the, the same week, we mm. had, we did we, we did a record Saturday night at Night Parrot. I heard uh, that
1: w- that Saturday night was massive in Wollongong. Hey,
0: yeah, and, and and I'm not sure if that was people getting preparing to be locked down or i mean mm-hmm. for us we, we just we had a we had like a group booking in the day and that just kept us busy in a day and then we were sort of um as busy as we normally are on a saturday in the night um and it was just a huge night so it wasn't really like as we, even though we were worried about it and we'd put things in place like uh kind of stricter hygiene laws and things or, or practices in the the businesses um but it just very much cre- crept up like it was something that wasn't really affecting this country and didn't seem like it'd be that bad. And even in, even in other countries, it hadn't really hit America quite yet. So just the speed of it has been quite scary mm-hmm. um, because the week before a game, it was just something that was in the news and we weren't particularly worried about the next week. We kind of realized, Oh, we probably should do some things about this. Um, especially when the NBA season got closed out
1: mm-hmm. with, uh,
0: Tom, myself, both being big NBA fans. When that happened, that was like, Oh, this is really serious. Oh mm-hmm. God. If, if there's no more NBA shit. Um, so that kind of little things like that happening kind of made the severity of it more apparent. Um, but yeah, really, I mean, there was lots of rumors going around um, and people getting this information, that information, but it was the week before we started really taking it seriously. And then um, just as that week evolved, um, obviously, that very much put the severity and as the cases worldwide in Australia just started to really kind of ramp up at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah and so I mean from from that week yeah I just I it was it was a strange feeling wasn't it like I mean it was a very strange feeling that week because it it was almost like people knew that something was coming yeah yeah th- th- there was no there was no message there was no message and and you know I think that um we can maybe talk about the government's response and the development of the government response throughout the period, because I think that at the start, the government was potentially as confused as we were yeah. and didn't know what the extent of of this would be, and mm. didn't know what sort of what what sort of uh, legislation or what sort of rules restrictions to put in place. But at the same time, they they also didn't know how to get the message out there, and I yeah. think that as 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 you know, as as this has developed, like the message now, every everyone is very clear with the message of stay mm. the fuck at home. It's not about you, it's about the health of the population of this country, not just yeah, about yeah. you. And it's about the people that are vulnerable. Well, um and so the message is clear now, but at the start that definitely there was there was no well, clear week, message. So well, yeah, everyone weeks, was out. And about. A couple of
0: weeks before, Scott Morrison was gonna go to the rugby game, which I think he mm. cancelled very last minute when people were like didn't you just tell us that we should be careful and like try? Because it was it was very kind of wishy-washy. It was like, you know, wash your hands, like keep keep your distance, but, you know, crack on as normal. Mm. And that was kind of, that was basically what the government was saying up until the shit really hit the fan and they they realized it was serious. And then I think in, in that respect that Australia's, once the government started taking it serious, like most people, mm. so obviously plenty of fuckwits still ignoring it, um, but most people took it serious when that happened. Yeah, um, and it has sure. been has been quite quite quick, really. Um, mm. But obviously, I can only speak for what I see in yep. Wollongong and in my um, kind of uh, social bubble uh, of people mm. I know, and everyone I know is generally taking it very seriously.
1: Definitely, yeah, mm. for sure. Um, all right, well let's let's move on to. Uh, the week of doom or, or hectic week or chaos week, let's call it chaos week for now. Cha- yeah. It was um, pretty, it was chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. So the beginning of chaos week, uh, was Monday, March the 16th. Now I don't think there was any, you know, really, uh, you know, legislation or restrictions in place until the Wednesday of that week. So the first, the first restriction that came in was, yeah. So uh, we, 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 sorry,
0: like, like so like, so we, we had a really good week running up to that, like I said, record week of Parrot. So when we came into that week, the thing we were worried about most, um, obviously the hygiene of our staff and, and employees and our customers, but most of our biggest worry was, how is this going to affect trade? It's like, is are we just going to lose bookings? Are people going to go out? So that, that, was our, that was our biggest worry on Monday. There was obviously rumors that something might be happening, but nothing was confirmed. And I was... Still, probably at the time thinking they weren't going to do a complete shutdown of hospitality businesses, um, which changed quite quickly. But yeah, mm. the, the week started
1: with that worry. I think mm. for most people. Yeah, well, that's it. It's funny. It's funny in 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 hindsight how 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 brief that <laughs> yeah. that worry like, was. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your sweet like summer child. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, on March the eighteenth, on that Wednesday, they banned non-essential gatherings of a hundred people or more indoors. So everyone who had a license of uh, over a hundred people would have had to restrict entry into their venues. That's when pubs and clubs and uh, any any larger venues and stuff like that had to yeah. begin restricting. They were generally the only venues that were uh, that were affected. Um, yeah, there and- wasn't too many in obviously the bigger clubs in Wollongong affected but
0: I mean that 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 was the first round that that cl- a lot of places in Sydney some of those massive clubs they all just closed up after that they were, mm. they were like for them that was that was the the killer blow for them is like what 100 people were you know 700 800 people venues yeah there's no points so that was going kind of the first round is all the big guys um it wasn't viable for them so a lot of them shut down pretty pretty sharpish.
1: Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then we had Friday the twentieth of March. So that following Friday was that the four person per sorry the one person per four square meter rule, which I mean it has to be said is I understand the sentiment of that rule, but it is the stupidest stupidest rule I've ever heard of because it is completely not enforceable yeah. and uh, and. It just led to more confusion and more more anger and more frustration than than absolutely yeah. anything. And at the time, I saw as soon as that 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 legislation came through, I looked at Instagram and it was awash with business owners saying just shut us the fuck down right yeah. now and support us don't make us stay open and do this shit because yeah yeah like it is completely it, it that's just completely ridiculous and 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 one of the i don't know it was just bizarre. I was sitting in the Atomican Sports and Social Club down here, which is where I go just down the road to to use the Wi-Fi, and there was a 65-year-old a man stepping out the meterage of his venue to figure out how many people. And it's like a whole curve to sort of room and stuff like that to try to measure up how big the venue is and how many people they could have per four square meters and, and all that sort of thing. Absolutely bizarre. Yeah. So um, yeah. So that that was the, the craziest
0: day for me. So we we had a, um, we all started a uh, group chat with sort of local hospitality venue owners. So uh, us and the guy from some Wolf, get some His Boy, Moomin, um, Andy from Babyface and a few others. I'll probably forget, guys from La La La's um, to kind and of keep in touch and to share any information we were getting because it was quite uh, quite hard to understand what they were saying. So um, that afternoon, the group chat with obviously this announcement coming started to kind of blow up and everyone talking and then finally it was announced but they didn't announce um when it was supposed to start so it was announced like 3 p.m on a friday but they they didn't say as of 9 a.m tomorrow or as of 6 p.m today also like there's a lot of confusion with people um it it was that how many people you could have in your venue um with that meterage it wasn't people had to spread apart by four meters, mm. which some people thought is like, well, so how do you sit? How do you sit a two? Do you have to sit them across the room? So that there was very little specific. So we were all trying, we were all scrambling because everyone, some people were open already, some people were preparing to open. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know if it was enforced tonight or whenever it was. Absolute chaos. So I end up, um, I was just like, right, fuck, I'm going to try and ring the government. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: I ended up ringing um, the Liberal Party office and spoke to uh, someone who was a little bit dismissive i might have been a little bit rude to her as well apologies to the lady to karen i'll call her um so i basically asked her to confirm the policy and she said well the policy's only just been released so i was like yes by your party and she's like well we don't really know anything yet And i'm like that seems a weird way to release policy you think you would all know and then you'd say it Does Scomo just go on TV and just spout off stuff, and you guys react afterwards? Um, So, and she's to her, she said it was uh, quite self-explanatory. To which I voiced my disagreement um, to that statement. She suggested a joke that, "Can I get the number for Scotty?" uh, And try, and she said, "Oh well, you can try and contact him on his like office website." So I went to his office website. To see if I could get I could get a direct line to to Scott Morrison, um, which I couldn't. Um, I did find a number to I can't remember what it was. I think it was a number to the government. Um, so I spoke to someone there, and they had no idea either. She, uh, the lady then was just like, "Look, we, it's only been announced. We don't have the details. Um, we have no idea." She was a bit more understanding about well, I want to know. So we just want to know, like, do we have to do this tonight? Like, when is it from? Is it from now? Like, if a venue had patrons in right this moment do they need to kick them out do they need to like cull half of their their capacity right now we had no idea about this um so then she put me on to uh, the uh, australian health organization who have a covid hotline um and i spoke to them they also hadn't had any of this legislation passed down but whilst i was on hold it finally got uploaded um and got some information right. so got some inner workings onto how the government works obviously mm. things happen very rapidly but it was a worse than in, like the other other things that have happened have had it starts from 9am tomorrow this one was so vague and on a Friday afternoon um, and it was just it was absolute chaos like we had no idea whether we had to cancel bookings or like you know we, we had to find out the the um, the size of it, our venues and work out how many people you know we could actually have in so that mm. was just a was a crazy day and it very much felt like we're fucked like this is not this is not uh you know doable for however long like Mm. my power was capacity was down to 18 or something um so that that was that was kind of when it really loomed that we really could be in the fucking shit here
1: Mm. yeah um and again i guess just it's, yeah, it's funny in hindsight to think, like, the the sentiment, I think, then, for myself and for you and for much everyone who has to do with the hospitality community was sort of like, all right, well, the industry is going to be hit hard by these rules, so get out and support your... Like, despite the fact that you, it's only one person per four metres and all the rest of it, get out there and support yeah. your well, that local was also, restaurants and cafes and things.
0: That was kind of hard because we, I mean, we were about to put <clears throat> a big email out to our, our newsletter. Um, we were about to do some other things from Kavo and some other things from, from Night Parrot. Um, and we basically just, we're, were. it was hard to toe the line between telling people to, like, like, please come out and come for dinner but then not wanting to force people to go out because we knew that was kind of, it was wrong. So we were stuck in a very weird kind of mm. spot from a kind of marketing point of view where we were just being like, if you're healthy and you do want some dinner, please come out. We'll be as safe as possible. But also stay at home. Don't go near anyone. Don't come to our restaurant, but please come for dinner. But don't go to the restaurant, but don't go out. Yeah. But please, please come for dinner. Like totally. it was it was so hard to turn that line. And I think that's why a lot of people, um, from a kind of health and almost moral standpoint, were just like, fucking just shut us down. Like, yeah, like shut us down and help us. I mm. think was, was what well, everyone was, everyone was kind of, and I was saying the whole time was like, I think it, they should shut us down, but they need to put a package in place, help in place so that we can survive. They can't just shut us down and then leave us in the lurch. um, which they've done some things, yes. Some some things have been slow to come out. Um, this is crazy time, but yeah, I think that was obviously the Friday. The Friday was insane. That was when we really kind of thought this could be a very very serious issue.
1: Mm. Yeah. So that was the Friday, and that was sort of really where a lot of the real sort of impact. All right, this is this is going to have a real huge impact on on the industry was yeah. felt. Uh that lasted the that weekend, essentially, yeah. because you know, COVID cases and things like that continued to sort of skyrocket. And by Monday, the twenty third of March was the date where they announced that all yeah. uh, all, all venues would close essentially, all non essential yeah. venues would close, um which meant that some places were allowed to continue. With takeaway and delivery and things yeah. like that. So that that uh, was announced.
0: That was announced on the Sunday morning
1: to take place. Was it place. on the Sunday?
0: Yeah. So yeah. Saturday we obviously had worked out all like all these new spacing and we'd looked at our seating plan and spent a bit of time trying to work out you know, um, you know what we we're going to do, how we we're going to get enough customers, how many customers we could do per night, or how we could space them. Um, and then I mean I think the kicker was kind of the the scenes at Bondi Beach. Mm seemed to really push the government's hand maybe it would have only been another week or so um but it did seem i mean if they plan to take a, like reduce capacity on friday then close up on monday that that seemed weird and unfair and a little bit cruel so mm. it does it does feel like that pushed their hand to go all right you're all shut down so thanks everyone for uh, losing us an extra week of trade um but again probably should just been a shutdown not a capacity reduction anyway
1: yeah yep okay and then so that came into effect and essentially all venues were were all all dine-in venues were closed on the monday yeah
0: so so yeah so suddenly that came out um and that was pretty devastating i think Mm. a lot of people would have would have had a hard day there um especially with being like being drained emotionally the couple of days before, the, the, when that finally came through that we were having to fully close down, that that was that was tough. Um, like Tom and I even were we're not even sure if we were going to bother opening Parrot, whether we really felt like opening up, or whether we could be you know bothered, or whether it was worth it. Um, and I, I was pretty pretty done. So um, I think my thinking was,
1: I'm going to be at a bar anyway. <laughs> May as well be my own bar. Mm. Um, and so what was that Sunday night like? Was that the Sunday night where kind of, you know, a few a few members of the hospital community uh, got together in Wollongong and had one sort of last piss up and like <laughs> a sort of a wake for the hospitality industry, yeah, if you will?
0: Su- Sunday was interesting. Um, we sort of had, there was like a lot of hospitality, hospitality people were sort of out and around and um, we delivered some dumplings up to the guys at Blackhawk too. And then when they kind of closed up, they came down here um, and then sort of hospital people were kind of wandering around and it was very much um, quite kind of uh, like (laughs) everyone was pretty drunk. Everyone was, you know, it was a lot of stuff to talk about. Everyone was pretty sad. Um, But on the flip side, it was, it's always quite nice when you see everyone in hospitality kind of out and about. So like guys from Babyface were here. Some guys with wolf were kind of popping by. They got some, um, uh, from black cockatoo guys from moomin so there was lots of hospital people out and that's kind of rarely happens mm. felt like Avengers uh, avengers endgame or something oh, um, um so it was yeah like everyone was pretty pretty well socially lubricated mm. myself included i can't remember a lot about the end of the night <laughs> yeah um but yeah it did feel it did feel like like a, a funeral like it was like obviously everyone was pretty kind of um not a beat, but um, everyone was everyone was drunk, so everyone was kind of making jokes and taking the piss out of it and cracking on, because that's the way you deal with things, I guess. Um, but it was a pretty, uh, pretty devastating day, uh, and I definitely hid away on the Monday, Tuesday, and uh, didn't contact anyone and pretty much stayed in bed. <laughs> mm. So it was Shit. a tough weekend. Yeah, very tough.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the um, end of the end of a a real uh, historic week, essentially. When it comes to how yeah. how this, I think that week will be the one that most people re- remember as as the most chaotic through through this whole coronavirus um, crisis and 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 living through this. Um, let's talk about then. I think what we'll do, Simon, and let's let's talk about how it's impacted. Um, your businesses and what you've had to do so far mm-hmm. and, and how you've responded. Uh, and then maybe either along the way or, or maybe afterwards we'll talk about some of the legislation that's gone through and yeah. how that may be able to help you. So do you want to just start with, um, you know, how it's impacted you guys? Um, yeah, so, I mean,
0: we obviously had to wake up to reality that we're going to take away uh, delivery. So um, obviously the, the knock-on was we had to let. Um, our staff go I mean we'd already kind of informed the casual staff that we were going to be very tight on casuals because looking to the future we had to be so wasn't going to be too many shifts so that was um, upsetting to start with and then with everything being closed um, we had to let our full time staff go as well um, which uh, may be changing with some new legislation we're working um, with this week um, to see which of our staff qualify with the job keepers um, so that would be good we can get someone who qualify back um but so obviously we had to let them go um we had to make a decision whether we tried to push uh and keep both businesses going with takeaway and delivery um but in the end so can i
1: can i can we can we go back just yeah. i want to get some details how many staff did you have across both your venues? Like, how many how many staff have you let go? Um,
0: so we, we only had um, four full time staff. So we, we were pretty low. Right. Um, mo- most of our staff are casual. So,
1: it, including sort of, those as well, how many casuals and and part time? Um, so casuals. Casual, we had so sort of
0: eight, eight eight or nine casuals um, of varying shifts. So we we had, yeah. we, had we have. Being pretty tight on staff and small venues, yeah, we have people who might have done a couple, you know, one shift a couple of weeks for us to help sure. out. You're in there, so okay. we had, yeah, you know, five or six casuals that that did you know, multiple shifts in a week
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: if we we're busy. So not not a massive amount, but sad nonetheless. We were and, all very... and you've
1: and you've got some bloody loyal staff, you know what I mean? You're um, oh, like, yeah, like you're, you know, your restaurant manager at Covo. How long's Kirby been yeah, there? For? K- Kirby's been there like seven and a bit years.
0: Um, right. Tennille, one of our casuals, um, has been with us five, five, almost six years. Um, uh, like our two, our two casuals, Hannah has been with us a year, just, um, it's probably six, seven months. Um, yeah. So uh, everyone's been with us a fair while. So we're pretty close. We've known each other for years. Like it's, you know, some people I've known basically the whole time I've lived in Australia. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty hard to do that, but that was the reality of it, um, with with you know, no income that we'd worked out quite then obviously it just wasn't mm. gonna wasn't gonna work so um yeah yeah so i mean the next decision then was to what to do with the two venues so with night parrot being the, like Cavot food as it was was never going to work with delivery mm. um or pickup like without doing you know multiple trips to someone's house explaining the dish pouring the wine but, like <laughs> a, a degustation does not travel well um. so that was never going to work so the food from Cavot would have had to change anyway, we were planning as if we were going to be open with our staff to do kind of ready to cook uh, takeaway meals, we were do sort of fresh pasta and some stews and pies and things like that um, but with just Tom and I, we decided to focus on the restaurant that's kind of a bit more set up for takeaway with Night Parrot so we can sell, still sell booze and cocktails from here um, and obviously dumplings and the kind of course our Asian white boy Asian food that we do um works quite well as takeaway so we kind of had to put our chips in that basket um mm-hmm. and basically put Kavo into uh, hibernation and its own isolation for the time being until um we work out a sort of a future plan so um mm-hmm. obviously just that in itself very upsetting for my for me We've been at Kavo the whole like almost eight years um, mm-hmm. so that's been you know my a lot of my life for the last decade so that in itself not having kavo there open serving food is mm. pretty pretty devastating anyway um for me
1: what 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 did you do with all your stock at kavo
0: so we, we we're always very tight with stock anyway at kavo that's okay. the, the the benefit of like tasting menus is you know how much stuff to order like we we do have uh like some bits in the freezer which will you know trillis there's some you know wallaby tail and some emu fillet so well i mean there was there was there was some bits and bobs out like tom made himself a nice dinner one day i made myself some emu at home um, so there was a bit of stuff like that Obviously, the the booze is is not going to go off that's still there um, mm-hmm. but yeah like there wasn't there wasn't too much waste food wise that we didn't take home or someone took home um, there, there's definitely there's a quite a lot of magpie goose leg in the freezer,
1: which
0: mm. I might have to, I don't know what I'm doing with that. Um, so I'll work out something someday at some time, at some point to use all my magpie goose leg up.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. So not too much stock loss or anything like that. No, no. Most. I mean, some people,
0: some, yeah, some people would have had huge losses with that. Yeah. Um, um
1: I mean, imagine what a big club like Collegians or something did with like four restaurants across Collegians from, you know, a pizza place to a steakhouse to a whatever, Yeah, you know, bloody massive, massive capacities, huge kitchens, huge amount of stock, not to mention places like hotels and all that sort of thing. It's pretty devastating to think about the amount of stock loss that must have happened just through that week because, you know, businesses are spending most of their energy trying to Figure out what they're going to do with their business, and, yeah. and 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 saving stock is is probably not the first thing on the agenda a lot of the time too. So
0: yeah, yeah. Exactly. anyway,
1: it's good that you guys could you know yeah, try I mean, and we, minimise waste.
0: Yeah, we we've always been good with uh, our amount of waste, um, and our kind of practices with that. And like I said, yeah, tasting menu. We know we have this many people booked for the week, so it's this many dishes. So we ordered that much stuff. So we'd already been keeping it super tight, running up to it. Hadn't really been ordering too much and trying to use some some pieces here and there, so that that was that was a
1: wasn't a big worry for us, um, as much as it would have been for some people. Mm-hmm. All right, and then and then so you you sort of placed your uh, your thousand year eggs in the in the in the night parrot basket, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Um, So we got set up on, which we were sort of planning to look into a bit more anyway, but we got set up with Deliveroo and Uber Eats um, and let them take 35 to 30, 30, 35% of our, of our profits, which is lovely. Um, Wow. It's yeah. They're, they're high, high margins. Um, Obviously it's nowadays it's, you would be, you'd struggle to do a delivery and takeaway yourself without being on those, those big platforms. Mm. Um, they then they do bring you a lot of extra orders, so you could argue it kind of evens out. Um, but yeah, they they take a fair bit. Um, we are also doing our own delivery on Fridays, Saturdays. Uh, Tom gets out and about in his uh, in his Ute and delivers uh, booze and food, which we're allowed to do. Which and that was one of the pieces of legislation that they brought in, which has been very helpful for everyone, um, mm. especially bars. The- bars had nothing to do. So imagine,
1: like, imagine. <laughs> Imagine, I don't know, just the thought of being able to deliver cocktails from your bar to people's houses before anything started. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and to be honest, like the fact that th- that sort of thing can, can just pass, that sort of thing can, can just fly in these current circumstances is a bit of a credit to the government's willingness to be flexible. On, yeah, on things uh, like you know it's that that legislation of being uh being allowed to sell booze and things like that came uh booze takeaway allow uh came through on the 24th of march so the day after all venues shut down and mm. for bars and things like that it you know it's literally a it's literally a lifesaver for for, oh, for places yeah. It provides provides it provides cash flow when there is absolutely no other way to do it. Essentially, yeah, exactly, yeah. for a I bar mean, like, like our Wolf that has no food offering, yeah, um, yeah, and they've, yeah, I mean, they've, they've been doing some fun and, fun adaptation.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, alcohol retail is actually up uh, compared to mm. last year. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it definitely was big help, big difference. Um, if you take a step back, it does seem like a little bit of a it was kind of like, okay, everyone's got every, bars. You've all got to shut, but don't worry, you can sell takeaways. Mm. We've solved your problems. Yeah. So, um, as much as yes, good call, well done, well played, um, there still needs to be more done. Like, mm. ev- ev- like yeah, you know, you, we bars can probably scrape by, um, but also if now every bar is selling is selling booze and able to do takeaways and deliveries retail like normal retail places who have been doing it for years they, they are obviously now suffering more because of it mm. um so there is a kind of a bit of a knock on to it like it's a, it's yes it's definitely a lifesaver for a lot of places um but i don't want to give the government too much credit because yeah there's still more they need to do and can do mm. to help businesses out
1: okay so i mean let's let's continue sort of along the impact Im- impacts line um Just reading a Guardian article the other day, uh, seventy percent of hospitality business in Australia have been forced to reduce staff hours. Um, Of course, I mean, I don't know where, I don't know who the thirty percent are that haven't are. I guess maybe like Domino's and things like that. Um, Yeah, forty three percent of hospo have either have either sacked staff or placed them on unpaid leave which is which is huge you know 50 percent of the entire of, of an entire industry have lost staff yeah. um and yeah i mean the the amount of job loss is just devastating uh now some of the other imp- so i mean maybe we could try to work through how you and we'll talk about night parrot because as you've said you've put sort of uh, cavo into hibernation as a degustation only fine dining fine fine dining people can see the quote marks uh yeah. restaurant um when it comes to your overheads your 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 expenses i guess rent is is a big one now yeah there still has not been uh has there or has there not, maybe um, you can enlighten me, on, on legislation being passed when it comes to commercial commercial leases?
0: So they, yeah, they just released some legislation um, yesterday. Um, I'm going to be very fuzzy with all my es- estimates of when things happened. Um, yesterday the day before. Um,
1: We're talking called- the, 8th, the 7th or the 8th of April now. Something like that. I don't, I don't even know what day it is anymore.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, they they just came out with some um, new legislation for commercial uh, real estate. I I read the press release. It sounded very fuzzy and complicated. Um, uh, I'm not entirely sure of the actual logistics of it. Um, Our accountant will be on top of that and we'll send it out in hopefully some easier to understand words. Um, But yeah, they've started to look at something. So that will help obviously things like the big banks um, putting back uh, things like mortgage payments or payments like that but yeah so basically they so brought some legislation um, they seem to bring things out uh, and then a couple of days later they will actually pass it and then elaborate on it mm. uh, so at the moment it's, it's, it's to do with um, uh, land, landlords basically have to meet with their tenants to discuss matters and there's op- going to be some options for uh, deferrals and um, or waivers of, of rent um again i'd like it's it normally it, something comes out and a couple days later they kind of tidy it up and actually give you some detail but i mean deferrals of rent really aren't much of a help in the in you know in the long term so you can mm. put your rent off for six months but then you're like rent's already a massive cost um to, to business anyway so if you were paying, you know, however long it was spread out for, that that could just take you under, if you get through this anyway. So deferrals um, don't seem like the best idea. If there's some sort of waiver or government assistance, it didn't actually say there was any money the government were putting into it mm. on, on the press release, but will remain to be seen. So things are coming out. Um, obviously, that that's a big cost. I mean, restaurants are always, always hard because a lot of your costs are fixed. Um, so your your, your full time staff fixed your rent your all your overheads um, and then on top of that you have you have perishable stock um, which which can always be a killer so they're the kind of two biggest drains um, but if you've like your your income's being hit you know up to seventy percent some places mm. so. Everyone's kind of scrambling, and 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 everyone like there's a lot of takeaway happening. Um, bottle shops obviously doing well. with, with um, you know booze retail being up. Um, bars that selling booze be doing pretty well. So everyone please be going. But we're still with the margins we're charging and getting taken off by delivery companies. We're still only scraping. Like mm. we we've been we've been flat out. Like Tom and I have been here on Friday Saturday with. Tom's old man helping out with a bit of uh, a bit of delivery driving and it's been flat out like it's a small kitchen but the menu's small and, and you just have to kind of pump but like we've been going at it from like five to half nine mm-hmm. and like, afterwards we're both fucking knackered yeah, we're not used, right. to, we're used to like being in the fucking chill Cavot kitchen and not, not just not just pumping yeah um, so like let's so it's, talk. It's, let's
1: talk in a minute about about sort of what it's like now, like where you guys are at now. But I want to I want to continue to sort of get through these these impacts and and as we were sort of work through, uh, yeah. work through these your sort of overheads and your costs and, and and then the legislation that's been able to help you sort of put these things on hold. So business business loans. Uh, have you have you have you got business loans on so, pause now?
0: Yeah, so the the big four banks. I'm um, not sure the what would happen with the small lenders, but the big four banks have basically deferred loans for up to six months. So um, there's no payments there. They've also waived terminal fees mm-hmm. um, for FPOS transactions, which do actually add up uh, mm. a massive amount. I think like last year it was like three or four thousand dollars we paid in FPOS fees. Mm. It might be more than that. Tom's number guy. It's probably more. Uh, yeah, it might be like six. Yeah, I mean close. Yeah. You could probably do less transactions with higher money. um, But yeah, so that that, that is actually pretty, can be pretty big. Um, Obviously, things like bills still need to be paid. Um, Like the restaurant industry is always kind of, you're always on 30-day terms with someone. So you've bought something a month ago that, yes, you've Mm. sold, but then you've sort of bought more stuff. So it's always this weird kind of catch-up game. Um, which probably hurts the suppliers more because they're the ones who people now owe money um, to and people can't afford to pay them back. So it it tends to be the the suppliers and distributors who get really
1: fucked in this. Mm. Um,
0: So we've obviously had to uh, take as many... That's something
1: that... Sorry to interrupt you. That's yeah. something that I've noticed as a as a supplier to the yeah. to the retail industry. So we don't have um, lots of, you know, bookshops and things like that still trading in the same way um, as they were. And definitely people not out and about. But, like, you know, I'd usually have remittance coming through almost daily of invoices being paid and things like that. And yeah. it's essentially just stopped completely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, and, and it's it's shit for everyone but I mean that. Yeah. It, it just kind of it really highlights how um, it's very hard to make money in a restaurant because you're only as soon as like you you have to close for a couple of weeks like you're fucked it's not like um, and the kind of the common sense would be oh you've had that booze you bought it or you had, you, you had that booze you didn't pay for it and now you've sold it for your markup so therefore you should have the money for that booze but that's gone to keep the next thing being paid and the next thing being paid um, and as it's shown most people are only you know in business and in their own personal life are only like two paychecks away from being fucked every Mm. time like only sort of you know two three weeks away from being you know being kind of screwed so we've obviously you know have less expenses with staff um we've you know um you know tried to work out things where we can um reduce costs um and then we've basically had to kind of work out which distributors we can pay and when and we've sort of been working through a list of like okay that one's coming up then that one's been that one's been outstanding for a week so we're just sort of slowly working through cuz so we, so we want to pay everyone and we want to pay everyone as soon as possible um but we've got you know two businesses running on one income at the moment basically so mm. it's just going to take a while for us to you know work through them and work out the best way of doing that mm. so um
1: I some, I, I, I I'd like to think. Sorry to interrupt again. So right. yeah, I, I guess I'd like to think that like suppliers, suppliers are kind of there with you when it comes to you know we understand that you can't trade, so we understand yeah, that you, can't have, yeah. you don't have any money. And like I, I like for me, I know that I, I definitely don't. I don't. I don't actually have any expectation for anyone to pay invoices at the moment. I know that. Yeah. Maybe some invoices might not get paid. Businesses might close and things like that, and I'll have to write some invoices off and stuff like that. And exactly, you know yeah. what? Everyone's going to have to do that sort of shit. People are yeah, losing yeah. Their businesses. I, People have, f- yeah. you know, there are
0: there yeah. are some companies who have taken or offering to take take stock back. Um, okay. Some for free, some with a, a take back charge, which I think is a little bit audacious at this time, um, like like a five percent fee. Pay your take-backs, yeah. take back invoice. <laughs> so, well, so, I mean, so hopefully we're going to be able to sell through as much of our stock over the time as possible from, you yeah, know, from mm-hmm. Kvot and Night Parrot, and and mm-hmm. that will be obviously then used, but obviously it's just going to be slow going. So, um, and yeah, from, you know, the emails I've received from suppliers, most have been we understand if you, if you can pay, please pay because we need we need the money as well. Um, but it's going to have a knock-on effect all the way. And then you know, with with our wine suppliers, for example, we can't afford afford to pay the supplier. They can't afford to pay the winemaker. The winemaker is the one who's getting fucked, kind of down the road in the long term. So, um, and you know, for business you know, cover especially, we've tried to work so closely with with producers and suppliers that we really don't want that to happen. But this is this is the uh, the situation we find ourselves in. Is everyone's trying to kind of do a little bit and you know we've we've definitely tried to make sure we pay the suppliers the smaller suppliers that we've we work with closely uh first and then kind of work our way up mm-hmm. um, yeah. but yeah it's it's yeah you have to kind of work our way to do it but i mean in the long, in the long run there's going to be plenty of businesses to go under and there's going to be plenty of things that aren't paid and that's just the reality of it mm-hmm.
1: yeah um all right well let's Let's try to talk a little bit about some of the legislation and, and how some of it may help. Um, I was reading an interview with Jake Smythe from Mary's and stuff who we're supposed to have on the podcast a little bit uh, a little bit later on this month, 25th of April, we've got it scheduled for. don't know if that's going to happen or what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, I suppose it is work. So, uh, I mean, if we're, if we're going to do it, we can maybe do it, but I don't know. Uh, they laid off. 215 staff across all their mary's venues and things like that and um yeah that's pretty staggering and i guess i guess before our uh before the before we talk about the job keeper legislation which went through yesterday the government the government um doubled the job seeker payments so at least and and obviously it was a shit fight at the Centrelink office when when all these sorts of things were announced and when people started getting laid off but a double job seeker payment somewhere in the range of 530 bucks a week or something like that 1000 bucks if you if you're uh, eligible for the full for the full payment i mean 500 bucks a week to someone who's got 0.0, zero income uh, is 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 massive, really? To be honest, it's a big, big help.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah.
1: So, I th- does that does does knowing that sort of legislation is out there sort of relieve any of your internal guilt or or or, or the emotion behind having to let so many staff go and things.
0: Um, yeah, um, for sure. Obviously, like we, you know. Would unfathomable that our staff would I mean fuck we'd, we'd put them up in our own houses if if, mm. if, if anything particularly bad happened to any of our staff um, but yeah obviously that, that's helpful um, I mean if you're and it's just about livable I guess um, but if, if your rent is 200, 250 bucks a week which mm-hmm. is unfathomable around here uh, you're still trying to survive on very little money trying to pay bills mm. and stuff so mm. it's pretty tight I mean to not to harp on with my leftist leaning politics, but if that's been like increased, what the fuck were people supposed to live on before when they're on the mm-hmm. dole Like yeah. that just shows that, like the fact they've had to increase, they've had to double it, so people can survive, just shows to me that the amount they were paying in the fucking first place was way too low. Oh
1: yeah, like it's an absolutely and it's, and that, insane. That debate, concept. That debate has been going on going on for for a very long time, and Yeah, I mean, a lot of politicians were asked if they could live on $270 a week or whatever it was, and you you clearly cannot. No Um, Yeah. Now, do you know, on the 22nd of March, the government put through one of their first two large stimulus packages, this is quite early on in the piece, that offered some grants and things like that um, to businesses. Have you sort of looked into any of those ones?
0: Yeah, so it was, I mean, again, it was... was it would kind of maybe better on on the face of it, um, and the press kept kind of doing it as businesses will get between ten and a hundred thousand dollars, but it was all based on your uh, stuff like wage tax payments, um, which would payroll be tax. yeah, your payroll tax, which would be then basically credited against your BAS statement. So um, it kind of meant that a lot of people wouldn't pay their BAS for that quarter. Because of that that kind of refund. So it yes, it, it, it was a a helpful part, but it also it was the first kind of thing about trying to keep staff in um in employment. But at the end of the day, it it kind of it would still cost it would still cost most businesses money to keep staff on if they could not then work. So it mm-hmm. was a bit of a um a kind of non starter. Like it's backdated to the start of the year, so most people will, will will save save some money to start the year. Um, so it was a good it was a kind of good start, and it was you know one of those ones that was put in with all the other stimulus packages to, and it was kind of one that covered every industry. So yeah, it was de- definitely something. But I mean, it was it was in no means a a difference between oh cool we can stay open now or not. Mm. Like if, okay. if you if you were able to stay open and you, you just had like loss of income, it would definitely help. Um, and you know with what we're trying to, everyone's trying to scramble now it's nice not to have that that kind of uh, that bill come um, mm. for this quarter so definitely some advantages but um yeah not exactly a a life saving um bit of legislation
1: for businesses yeah yeah, yeah. just a little i mean yeah, take what you can get kind of situation yeah, it, uh, it, it's it, not going to be the saving grace but it's going to it kind of felt it was
0: yeah it was put in place before they shut everyone down and that kind of changed yeah. the game a bit Um, Like if if we could have kept trading, but our trading was just reduced, then that probably would have helped us get through. Um, They also at the same time bought out um, uh, payments for apprentices um, and they were going to cover quite a lot of their wage for a certain time. So it was definitely, it seemed like like that initial legislation was to try and get businesses to stay open and and be able to push through rather than, you know, survive through a a close down.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess which brings us to the most important piece of legislation for the hospitality industry, which passed yesterday. Um, that would have been the 8th of April, uh, and the government announced it on the 30th of March, which is the JobKeeper package, um, yeah. which is the the largest stimulus injection into the economy ever, mm. uh, providing... providing Subsidies, wage subsidies of up to fifteen hundred dollars per fortnight to full-time employees who have lost their jobs. Can you just give us a bit of an understanding of what such a such a massive package like that has uh, actually done? You know, given given to you guys as a business owner.
0: So, so that's probably the best um, bit of legislation they've introduced. I think it's it actually probably works out better than what the UK introduced with covering eighty percent of people's wages. Um, I think New Zealand pay are paying $650 I assume that was Australian dollars not New Zealand mm-hmm. dollars I don't know okay. um, so that, that, that was a really good piece of legislation there's there's some caveats with it with um the amount of time staff have spent with you have worked for you um mm. also doesn't uh cover casuals or only, ca- only casuals who've worked with you for a year or longer um and doesn't cover any visa holders any temporary skilled mm-hmm. visa holders um which is a massive fuck up on the government's part Mm. in my, in my opinion. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, so that, that is, um, that's pretty huge. Um, we are still working on it with our, um, our little financial team of our bookkeeper and accountant, um, to see who's qualifying for it with us and um, what the actual logistics are. Um, but it should mean, hopefully, uh, we will be able to have a couple of our staff back and paid for. Um, mm. Some staff who earn less than that 750 a week will actually get a pay rise as well, um, wow. technically. So I think they, they just get the full amount, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a flat payment. So, um yeah really really good bit of legislation um we're still kind of working on it um i know the guys at good times only have managed to bring back i think 15 of their staff wow or close to i think i read in a abc article earlier the little uh, little mm. media bastards there um so big for them we might be able to have a couple so it might mean for us that we'll be able to either get something going back from cavo or increase what we're doing at night parrot we, we're still working through that but um yeah, it means a lot of businesses will be able to take their staff back on, mm. which is huge for one. Um, and then B, uh, um, good for um, obviously increasing your output of what you're doing. Like a, mm. a big thing for us is like it's just Tom and I, so we're just doing you know dinner uh, seven days a week and splitting the shifts the best we can, um, which just hasn't really left a lot of time then for for with with everything else is going on to to maybe think about new ideas and new ways to to market mm-hmm. this and push it because we're, you know, we're kind of at capacity anyway. So, um, yeah, real big news, really good. Um, businesses definitely look into that and see what yeah.
1: applies. I think, um, I think that one of the interesting things, and you kind of mentioned it, is is that not only does it allow you to keep your staff and to potentially sort of save businesses, any, for any people to, to save their businesses and things like that, Um, and a part of that but like the interesting situation that you find yourself in is not having a business to open having having a restaurant that's now been turned into a takeaway and delivery business but having staff which then allows you to sort of reset and say all right well how are we going to use all these people to make as much fucking money as we possibly can during this time of forced closure and it's really leading to some... I mean, we haven't seen the full extent of it yet because, the, you, you know, people are still sort of working their way through applying for it and getting their staff back into their places and things like that. But once we see businesses have their staff back, um, God, it's going to be interesting what some people will be doing with their business and, and the types of sort of creative adaptations that will be made uh, to, to, to try to keep some cash flow and things like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, and, I mean... People have started doing you know on online tastings. Um, uh, th- um, I know the guys at Dagwood are doing their bottomless brunch, but like but wireless. So they're I think if you sign up to it, you'll get like a pack of food and a pack of booze, and then they're doing like a live stream of. I I'm, 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 I imagine it's just gonna be Ben Abraham just singing the whole time. I'm pretty sure that's that's what it will be. He'll just, he'll just he'll just he'll just have his guitar and just be doing some tunes. Um, but yeah, I think they're gonna do nice. like. Like a little quiz and stuff. So those guys have been really kind of pushing what the, what they're doing um, and being super creative. And I, yeah, I think I mean times like this force creativity, which is a good thing. It's a horrible uh, kind of light to put it in, but um, yeah, I mean adversity pushes creativity. Um, this is kind of the way it is. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what it is. I mean, I mean for us, the uh, we've sort of seen how you know how good takeaway uh, delivery can be from night power which is something we would thought about before but we're kind of oh maybe 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 um so i mean in the future that might be something we, we continue with um so it does open up
1: some mm. avenues
0: and makes you think about how how to make money and um yeah working around the parameters that's the, that's so, the
1: thing like i mean it's, it's too hard to speculate now, too far into the future, but it, it will be interesting to see how, because because hospitality is such a low-margin industry, um, it will be interesting to see how these different adaptations, uh, creative adaptations, have what what sort of things carry through to a post-COVID hospitality industry and how these things allow for, for those little half-percenters to be made on... Um, you know, on on turnover and 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 profit and and things like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it'll be fascinating. It, and, yeah, and, it, and also I guess to see how much how, how how potentially some some legislation on what you are and aren't allowed to do as a business ca- will be relaxed into the future um, to to foster a, a vibrant hospitality uh, industry once again. Once this is all hmm. over.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, um, so. like I mean for one like delivery booze is has isn't has been legal in the UK for years.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: and like with tw- and UK's got 24-hour licensing laws, so like there's like in cities in the UK there's numbers you can ring at 3 in the morning and be like, "Oh, we're out of booze the party." the best. There's and they'll rock up with a case yeah. and, they'll, they'll, and they'll charge you 100 pounds for it, but you don't care because you it's 3 in the morning and you're getting a case. So it's it's oh, not mate. like so it's not like something like that like booze delivery is is this crazy thing that we've resorted to. Like it's been around the rest of the world for a while. So, I mean, something like that. Um, the fact that there's so much food delivery now, why not booze delivery? Like, yes, there might have to be some extended leg- legislation to, to make it you know safer, but it doesn't seem like a bad idea. Um, mm. I mean, so definitely there's things like that in the future. I mean, you can even look at it from a more social point of view and go, well, fuck, do we need a you know, universal, um, universal credit, universal kind of wage system, which lots of countries have trialed and looked at. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even outside hospitality, like, um, I mean, like wage costs are a big part of hospitality and it's a, you know, you need a lot of staff to run a restaurant, but really, really, it's not, it's not a viable, like, I think the, the places are going to survive the ones who can reduce their costs. And unfortunately that comes down to staff, uh, with wages being so high in Australia. So, there's a worry about that, but I mean something like that. If 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 that pushes the government then to to bring in some universal legislation about, about wages and how things are paid, so I think you know, across the board, not even just hospitality, creative and ingenuity ways of solving problems need to be looked at. Um, mm. But obviously, from a hospitality point of view, I can definitely see things like you know cheaper cuts of meat being quite in vogue in the next few years. Um, mm. You know, not not we haven't got a big kind of uh, you know caviar fucking truffle kind of restaurant scene like the uk does but i definitely think we'll see less expensive ingredients being used in restaurants to try and you know make back some money to to maximize profits um yeah doing doing more things you know remotely um having more things available to be delivered to your home um i think there'll be lots of uh, lots of things that will happen in the next uh,
1: yeah next couple of years in that i sense. think um well, yeah, like, and I think that that, um, you know, the the takeaway in delivery adaptation was the first and most obvious adaptation that most restaurants uh, made uh, mm. to try to, you know, make some fucking money during this time. Uh, and I guess the second one, like, let's start to- talking a little bit and just sort of running through all these different responses and adaptations that we've seen during this time. Uh, the second one is retail. So, I mean... Essentially, we've seen a bunch of different restaurants all over the place turn into. I mean, Howling Wolf's a bottle shop now. Essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so is Babyface, and is Night Parrot. No, Parrot is Night Parrot Par- a bottle shop too? Well, can you walk in and grabs them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here? You
0: can. Um, I mean, we haven't pushed that quite so hard as yeah. as. Uh, I mean, we've mainly got. We haven't got stacks of booze. here, stacks of beer and things like that. We got lots of spirits and wine, and we're we're selling them. You know, whenever anyone's come in, pick pick up a bottle of wine. Wants to have some wine with their food when we're delivering. Um, that's available. So yeah, I mean we're a we're a takeaway outlet, but we have. And a- then
1: we've seen lots of lots of places making things like selling fresh bread, selling um you know, f- f- selling pasta, uh, selling frozen goods, and and prepared meals. You know, ready to go sort of heat in the microwave. Prepared meals is something mm. that 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 we've seen a lot of.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, if if you were if if I mean if you were a, a non hospitality worker and you were still working and your hours haven't cut and you're still making money, you'd be I mean except for having to stay home, you'd be loving the food you can get delivered.
1: Oh, I me. Like, like me,
0: like it, it's so legit right now. Like. And then all the all the suppliers that we normally use as restaurants are now selling to the public because we're not buying anything for them. Mm. So you can get like Southern Fresh who have like the, some of the most you know, amazing seafood. Yeah. that You can just get like some amazing produce like um, like yeah, restaurant quality you know, meats and fish and vegetables basically delivered to you now. Um, and then you can you, know, you can have, you know food from Babyface, you know, ready to take home and heat up or, you know, ready cooked or you can buy the bread that that, that restaurant makes that you always love but they haven't got enough time to make enough loaves to sell it. So, like, I mean, there's um, there's definitely some some opportunity. Like, the, the funny thing about, like, Night Parrot now is it, it's, it's vastly um, badly designed. We have a tiny kitchen and lots of seats and right now we need no seats and a larger kitchen. So even things like design, like, I mean, if we if we just got if we just took night parrot to a random kitchen in a warehouse and had no overheads um and were doing the numbers we're doing now it would be a viable business model mm. like you wouldn't make shit tons of money but you you would you would make some money so i think a lot of people will be looking at that and being like fuck why are we why are we fucking busting our out especially places doing burgers burgers are still flying out like you'll never lose money in burgers but like if you're a burger place and there is some people doing it i think now you just be wondering why you're employing, you know, bar staff, and why you're employing, you know, why you're paying for a dining room when mm. you can just sell them and deliver them straight to people's houses. So, mm. um, I think that will increase. I think they what they call them dark restaurants or something. I think. Um, I yeah. know in L- in London, Uber Eats just set up this like massive array of containers, fit them out with kitchens, and you can just rent one and start up an Uber restaurant. Crazy. So I I would expect to see some more of that mm. happening. In
1: Australia. I think I think potentially we'll see a bit more retail now as well. Like we'll see, I think that there's sort of like what it's forced, especially for din- uh, fine dining places, is is it's it's forced people to not. Worry about the fine dining image of their restaurant and not worry about what their market is, and 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 it's been like fuck it, like we're we're a degustation only fine dining, two hatted restaurant, whatever we are, and you know what, we've made some fucking good beef stroganoff, and you can take it home. Yeah, you I know think, what I mean, and yeah, people yeah, aren't worried sure, yeah. about that at the moment. Yeah. Well, I think
0: people are trusting, which is good in most cases. That that um, if yeah, if those hatted chefs, that hatted restaurant. And making you a very simple bolognese dish, it's going to be a fucking good bolognese dish because mm-hmm. they're putting the same amount of love and care and time and, and know-how and expertise they would into this kind of complicated dish, into just making pasta. And mm-hmm. like, and re- like that is, I mean, that's kind of gen- generally been my sort of philosophy of food. Is just like you can make anything, no matter how simple it is, into something really spectacular and really great, just by taking a bit more time about it and taking a bit more care and putting some effort in. So it's kind of, is nice to see that. And like, if we do get something going about Cabot, I'm quite excited about making pies to sell to people. Cause I'm going to oh, make yeah. the fucking, cause one, I've been slinging dumplings now for two weeks. So if I get a chance to make a fucking pie, it's going to be the best <laughs> fucking pie.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, um, pie or something. Yeah. As we continue this conversation about these different adaptations that are being made, uh, we just had to hit a quick pause then because um, you were having a chat about, you know, one possible adaptation that that that, that you can possibly make, and, and some people are getting bloody creative. Um, so, what's it, Tell tell us what you just talked um, with Penny about. So. so yeah, so
0: Penny Claiborne is a wine rep around this area. We have a big relationship with. Um, she's been running kind of wine schools for a little while um, at various venues. She's done some at cavo and um i needed some prosecco offer for the weekend which she just dropped off uh and i suggested to her she was talking about what she's been doing she's been doing some sort of like uh working with a retail company to to deliver and sell some some wine um so i was just asked earlier there she'd thought about doing an online wine school wine course um like some other people have done um so she popped in then she'd been thinking about it and thought we might do one together um as a uh, vino pen, just a company name, Wine Bulb um, is a education company name, uh, Cavot and Night Parrot collaboration. So that's something we'll look into, um, whether it will be kind of a, a good financial thing or it'll just be a bit of a laugh and something for us to do and to collaborate on and to, to, to build some reputation, we'll see. But um, yeah, it could be fun to get some people some booze and we'll drink it and talk about it uh over zoom conference or whatever so again yeah everyone's kind of
1: i i'd love to do that i'd love to do a little wine tasting over zoom and have a bit of a chat and learn a bit about wine yeah i I,
0: I think like everyone like people are at home bored and like there's only so much fucking tiger king you can watch
1: um yeah or jigsaw puzzles you can do
0: yeah exactly so i think people offering these things like i just said she did a pub quiz from uh Hub in Sydney. I can't remember what she said, but there was like a hundred people signed up to it. Wow! So, so maybe you should do your office trivia quiz.
1: Steph. yeah we can do our office trivia quiz finally. <laughs> you know
0: who you know who Stuart Foot is. So that's mm. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been fascinating the way that people have been um, utilizing technology to to sort of uh, you know, I mean, bringing it back to how hospitality businesses are responding, utilizing technology to um, enhance their businesses and things. One another another sort of future guest of the food fight. Um, is looking to be Charlie Carrington from Atlas Dining in Melbourne. Uh, he was one of the first that have started doing um, a sort of a, uh, a live cook along kind of uh, kind of thing. So he had he he's got uh, produce boxes at Atlas Dining that have all the ingredients to prepare a specific meal, and and then he at a certain time of every night is doing a sort of a live. A live cook along with with all the people that bought that that produce box that day uh, to to prepare whatever meal it is that they're making, which is which is fascinating. And you know, I mean, it yeah, I mean, def- it's definitely cool and interactive and interesting for yeah, the customer,
0: for sure. Yeah, it's very yeah, very creative way of doing it, and um, yeah, really cool idea. Um, obviously, if if you're if you're set up to do that, so I mean, and there's a lot of chefs. Like, again, if you want to learn to cook, now's a pretty good time. There's a lot of chefs Mm. who are obviously just bored, just want to kind of cook, and oh, fuck it, I may as well film it. Um, Just cooking at home.
1: Um, Yeah, I've been doing, I've done a couple of those. I've done two two of them. I did this tandoori leg of lamb the other day, and I thought to myself, before I did it, I I just thought to myself, this is so easy to make this recipe that I'm just gonna document the, the cooking of this recipe mm. um, on quicksand food on the Instagram. And and like it was actually amazing how many people were like, oh my God, I really want this recipe and stuff. So I mean, yeah, I've got yeah. a website where I've got recipes on there and stuff anyway. So it was super yeah, easy for that, me to just write urch, a recipe for it and upload.
0: Urchin Carbonara thing looked delicious as well.
1: Yeah, that was good. I did that yesterday as well. I'm on this um I'm on this little sea urchin craze at the moment. We'll talk a little bit about what we're actually sort of doing, doing at the end of the podcast, and I'll give you an insight into how my life's been like down here down the coast. But mm. um Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about these sorts of adaptations and how they might flow on. I guess, um, yeah, like, yeah, I, you know, things like bake shops. I think we've, we've probably run a pretty good, um, you know, we've done a pretty good overview of the adaptations that are happening. I think that when it comes to the sort of more upmarket venues, I think that Babyface are doing some really cool things with those sorts of, like, fifty dollars a head um you know you can buy a really nice uh a nice big steak and they and they give you the sides and and things like that and and they give you a nice glass of wine and i think a bottle of wine and i think that um i think that one of the one of the things for for people out there who aren't in 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 the industry but want to support the industry it's like Make a night of it. If you've got a Saturday night and you're obviously not going out and you're at home with your partner or your family or something like that, why not put on a pair of jeans and a nice shirt and make a really nice meal from ingredients that you got from Babyface or Pilot or any number of of these sort of more upmarket venues and pretend you're sort of out for a nice Saturday night and crack a bottle of nice wine that you bought from one of these venues and and, and make a night of it and have a little dinner party at home. Because, Mm. you know, like... Everyone, I mean, we, people aren't. I mean, there's people out there that still do have their full-time jobs, and 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 they're they're 100 not spending anywhere near as much money as they once were. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, if, you, if
0: you'd go out and spend, I mean, the table, two people would spend, you know, sort of 300 odd bucks at Cavao. So you know, go and spend that 300 bucks in a night. Spread it over a couple of places. Go to a bottle shop and buy a bottle of wine. Go to you know, a restaurant and get some food. And, you know, maybe go to like Lee and me are selling kind of staples like um, flour and sugar and eggs and stuff like that. So, you know, go buy some eggs from them and some bacon from a butcher Mm. and have fucking bacon egg sandwich for your morning thing. Like, you know, get out and spread it, spread it around a bit because there is like so many great options. Like there will probably be never a better time (laughs) to eat at home than COVID. Thanks, COVID.
1: Yeah, exactly, and it's also giving um. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah, like you said, it's giving people. It's giving. I think what I, I've noticed as well, and and what I think will be a positive, maybe what we'll do because I do have a section here that's like potential positives to come out of um to come out of all this, but uh, what what it definitely will, is sort of doing um is increasing people's interest in cooking, mm. which is their which is in turn increasing people's food knowledge um so people are people are experimenting with new ingredients people are taking the time i think that when it comes to the 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 norm or or the or the sort of status quo a lot of people lead very busy lives and and the sort of week to week monday to friday dinner is generally an afterthought for a lot of people it's either takeaway it's either go out to your local pizza shop and grab a quick pizza or it's it's, you know, rustle up a really quick pasta or a really quick piece of fucking sausages and a few veggies done in the steamer or something like that and the the time for experimentation and the sort of labors of love where you learn about cooking and food is reserved for perhaps a sunday afternoon exclusively for most people and things like that and seeing people taking the time seeing people share you know these new ingredients that they're experimenting with and stuff like that on uh social media is such a it's it's a it's a really great thing to see because you know food education um an increase in food education in any in in any respect is a positive thing people connecting to their food and stuff like that so that's that's definitely something that i've seen that i i think is something that sort of bodes well for the future
0: yeah i mean um it's definitely more people who are educated about food more people taking interest in food is good for um for restaurants overall um i mean the flip side of it is people could be like oh i've been making these bloody restaurant standard meals at home um why do i need to go out now i've got less money anyway so um I think overall, long term, that's a, good, that's a really good that's a really good trend. Um, mm. People having access to some more ingredients, and, and yeah, maybe if if I think a lot of time, people don't quite see the value of eating out because they just don't understand. Like, they might have never had that, you know, really expensive steak, and until you eat, eaten, you know, they might not have had sea urchin and wonder why you know these things are expensive. And then when you actually get to experience them, you go, oh fuck, like like taste can be that good. So. Mm. Yeah, hopefully people are eating better food at home. Um, yeah, maybe having access to better ingredients and, and being a bit more curious about that will, will help in the long run. Um, but yeah, it's always cool to see people cook at home. Um, like, yeah, you know, it's it's always nice to see, and people need to become better at that. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm generally just like kind of like slightly horrified when someone's like, oh, I'm just a really bad cook because it's not that hard. It's quite simple, and with just yeah. a little bit of know-how, you can make and a little bit of care and, and time. You can you know you can make any food. Any food good mm. or any food better mm. than you've done it before?
1: Yeah, I think I, I, I actually I'm gonna I'm gonna chop and change and go back, Simon. Before we finish off with a couple more a couple of these positives that we're we're hoping to talk about, and before we sort of start wrapping up, I mean, we could continue talking about this for ages, but we don't want to go too long. I think that one thing that needs to be said. Before we start moving on and start wrapping up, is w- w- we need to have a short talk about how it actually is seriously impacting our producers, um, because and 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 I think that I'll try to do a podcast down here that speaks more with uh, our local producers here. But if you think about some of the smaller producers so you you have your sort of your your martin's united fish and your victor churchill's and 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 those sorts of uh those sorts of places which are adapting and doing more sort of making making their product more available to the public rather than so much to restaurants and things like that but you've got places like moonacre's farm uh, let's talk about a previous guest of the podcast, Phil Lavers. Uh, they've got a cafe, yes, so they've had to stop trade in their cafe. Um, but the the majority of, of, of the the farm would be supplying restaurants directly, and and doing a little bit at farmers markets like Carriage Works and the Moss Farmers Markets and the Kayama Farmers Markets, which are now all cancelled and are adapting in their different ways. So when it comes to small producers i i see a pretty dire situation as well
0: yeah definitely um it's gonna have more knock-on because they, they've just lost their distribution networks um you said most mostly small farms were selling direct to restaurants um and they weren't selling to the, the big supermarkets so um whereas big companies would have the ability to do that in in large amounts so um yeah, really, kind of no answers to how they're going to do it, and without having you know, strong uh, social media pro, uh, kind of um, social media profile online to be able to maybe try and sell direct. Um, I'm not sure what they're doing. So, yeah, possibly um, restaurants have to do more to support these small suppliers and to you know to share them on their social medias. Mm-hmm. Um, to if they are offering like, direct, you know, selling direct where you can pick up or whether they'll deliver to you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think. For myself, especially, it was been a couple of weeks of being quite selfish with with what I'm thinking about and trying to get us through it. And now, as we start to push on, I think people can start you know, trying to look out and like, hey, who can we help here? Who can we help there? Mm. Um, I know that um, Scott Maletta from uh, Good Times Only is starting to, I think, is starting to think about opening up uh, Goodwill Only again, which was uh, kind of volunteer based to, to help uh, feed homeless people in the Illawarra. So. I think people are starting to get themselves in order and be able to look about how we can help people. So maybe the mm. next step for restaurants is to try and help the small suppliers, help the wine producers, um, and people like that to try and get them through as well, because they're getting mm. sort of less of the less of the publicity, not being on the front line as such.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I think that um, where possible, I'll just sort of like put a put a put it out there to to the audience, but. Please, uh, during these times, don't try not to shop at Woolies and Coles. Like I think that one of the positives that's coming through this um, this pandemic as well, which is sort of linked, is that it really is making a lot of people question our reliance on the duopoly supermarket system that we have in this country, uh, with you know the shelves being stripped of essentials and 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 food and and things like that. But more than ever, right now, it is important to support your local growers, and there is ample opportunity to be able to do that right now. Um, there are more and more local growers having some form of delivery or pick up veggie box option, or eggs, or honey, or like I know that down here, down here, there's signs down on the south coast. Um, a lady that I know, Greta, who has bliss honey in this area here, she'll just deliver honey to people you know and 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 even if it's just you know a little ten dollar bucket of honey or whatever it is, Mm. she'll deliver you honey direct because she kind of has not many other means of selling it. Um there's oyster farmers down here that are delivering direct. There's small farmers down here that are putting together veggie box veggie box pickup systems. Um there's local fruit and veg markets that are doing a lot to support local growers and things like that. And that's happening all around the country. That's not just happening here and it will only take you, you know um 10 minutes of scrolling through Instagram and searching some local growers or, or, yeah, or maybe, Googling maybe some local growers yeah
0: you know, me- message message your favorite restaurant um mm. national social media ask where they where they got their to get some of their produce whether they use local small growers and if they could recommend them or if they could tell you anything about them because you know if they do have a social media uh, presence then we'll be following them um and we'll know kind of what they're up to and um, and you know be able to at least link you to some of the people you, we use if you want to support them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, and 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 I think our. Uh with, with Coles and Woolies also limiting the amount of home delivery that they're doing, it, it actually might be more convenient for you to develop a relationship with a local grower and start getting um, start getting your food locally rather than, you know, because it'll be delivered and you won't actually have to go out and sort of brave the supermarket essentially. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I know like Green Connect, uh, Morawong, who we, we've used with kavo for a little while, um, they've always sell, sold you know, mixed veggie boxes, and it's some amazing organic produce. Um, so I mean, that's just one local one. Gosh, supporting it, and I'm pretty sure they deliver to you as well. So um, you know, don't have to go to the supermarkets. So you get all your all your veggies kind of uh, bought to you. So you know, trying to uh, use that as much as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I guess if we continue down going down this this sort of path I think that potentially it's a it's an opportunity for, for for a lot of these small producers to get exposure in other in other ways and to to make some adaptations as well to be able to sell direct to the public and not have to rely on just just directly supplying restaurants or or, uh, or farmers markets and things like that and, and 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 think about ways of adapting business models to be able to get their produce to the to the public it's just amazing the power of social media at the moment Um Imagine if this was going on without social media. Like, oh, how the yeah. fuck would restaurants and stuff get any information out to the customer base about what they're actually doing? It's it, like it really has allowed allowed you know survival in a lot of instances and 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 people to sort of get information out about what they're doing.
0: Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, mm. um, yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's un- unfathomable trying to think back. A time before social media, and like, like yeah, before even smartphones. When I'm when, I, when I, we've talked about it before is like, what do people do before the maps app? Like, how mm. do people what? What they had like a big map? Like, guess what would they do? The it's crazy, yeah. Like, what do they use a map? Idiots.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> like, it's yeah. Like, I mean, it's yeah, crazy to even think about how you would have navigated this. Um, I guess just with your your regulars popping. Yeah, who knows? Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's there's. There's that yeah. I mean, there's positives that are going to come out of this. There's some positives that are going to come out of the negatives of the situation. I mean, um, and and then I think there will be some like pure kind of creative ideas that people come out with that might become norms. Um, I mean, on the kind of um, positive-negative side of it, there's going to be less bars. There's going to be less restaurants around when this is all over, which is very mm. sad. Um, very sad to think about and the impact that's going on people's lives and people's livelihoods. Um, I mean, but if you look at what might come from this is that it's going to hopefully mean that the standard of restaurant is better. I mean, there's a lot of good chefs out there. I mean, me and uh, Jimmy Calloway, who's worked at Fire Door and uh, Four in Hand, a lot of, a lot of they had restaurants around Sydney, we were chatting today. and it was like, there's going to be some like ludicrously good chef teams out there when this mm. is all over. Like there's mm-hmm. going to be some people who like, we've lost a job and like you know they're like oh fuck I'll, I, I need some money i'll work for you know work for this much and there'll be some like ludicrously good chefs all working together after this
1: um yeah
0: and i mean there's going to be some opportunity um to people to open businesses if they can weather this um there's you know unfortunately gonna be empty sites and things so um there's there's some kind of things that will come out of this whether it's kind of um uh, a bringing together of talent and a you know and, Pushing the talent pool into certain restaurants, and with less restaurants, less competition. Um, which kind of come out of people's failure, which is very sad, but that's the reality of it. Um, but there could be some, you know, exciting things happen a year from now when this is kind of all over and starting to fall. You know, everything's starting to fall back into place. There could be some opportunities mm. for some people to do some really cool things. Hopefully, it's not just the the chains and the big companies who take it over, which is the other worry.
1: Mm. How do you see the there's a sort of a a two a a two-sided thought on 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 way on the way the public might respond to this situation so Mm. um we're going to be in a recession essentially when this is all over uh which means that people have less money people have less disposable income which means less money for spending on going out um I suppose it's going to be both at the same time but the, but at the, but at the same time we have been stripped of our ability to go out and enjoy hospitality for we will have been stripped of our ability to go out and enjoy hospitality for such a long period of time that I think that at least at least at the beginning people people will flock back out just because they've have, have had yeah. this state of cabin fever for so long.
0: Yeah, I mean the the whether like however they, the laws get relaxed, whether it's incremental, the the first time bars are allowed back open it's going to be fucking pretty wild. Um, it's going to be
1: mayhem, isn't it? <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's I'm I'm slightly excited and scared at the same time. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that um, for some people this might kind of just confirm their their lack of need to go out. So, you know, whether, whether they they're already ordering lots of food in and ordered a lot of stuff online it might galvanize some people's thoughts about that um and yeah people get used kind of might be getting used to it and see that they are saving a lot of money i know like even Mm. like i've saved a lot of money by not going to the fucking wolf every night after work so um you know people might realize that you know look at the money i'm saving by not going out so um we could definitely have that effect Uh, i think some people will just be really craving that 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 personal touch that um that interaction with people, um, and that will maybe drive them out to, to be going out more. So whichever side's gonna kind of maybe win out, there's definitely gonna be some differences in it. Um, I definitely have a feeling that, that restaurants on the higher end are gonna be hit worse. I think people will still go out, they'll still wanna drink, because people drink in any time. Um, so that, that's pretty consistent, but spending $200, $300 on, on a meal, that's um, maybe going to be a push for some people. Um, yeah. So I have this, yeah, this horrible feeling that the higher-end restaurants, are the ones or the higher-end independent restaurants, anyway, um, are going to be the ones that struggle. So anyone who owns one mm. of them, what an idiot! Fuck. <laughs> <sighs> um, but yeah, yeah that, I mean, that's the worry. I mean, my case of point is the last last recession that you Australians kind of missed because um, of your mining boom um i was working as chef in the uk during that and that didn't actually have too much of a effect um it kind of hit people weren't buying houses people weren't buying cars people going on like weren't going on expensive holidays so we didn't really see any effect from it people were still going out to eat um Mm. and spending money on food so it didn't actually the last recession didn't hit um hospitality in the uk too badly um so in comparison to that, maybe maybe I'm being pessimistic, but um, it's obviously a possibility that that yeah that you know is is that is that final call for fine dining coming that people have been saying about for about a decade now anyway. Mm. Uh, every year there seems to be an article like is fine dining dead, and it's like no, it's just changing. So, I mean, there's still going to be good chefs doing good food, but like I alluded to earlier, I think mm. you'll see less uh, maybe less of that expensive wagyu. Um, and some more, you know, grass-fed secondary cuts being being used creative, creatively, creatively. Um, like a, a, actually, a story that uh, has kind of given me some some pause and some positivity is um, uh, Le Champignon Sauvage in Cheltenham, which I worked out mm-hmm. briefly in UK, uh, two Michelin star restaurant, and they they opened in 1987, and it was in the early 90s where there was a bit of a recession in the UK then, and uh, they were struggling. They didn't have a star then. They were struggling to kind of, you know, make ends meet. Um, and he decided to start using lots of secondary cuts. He started actually foraging. He was one of the first chefs in the world, really, to actually mm-hmm. bring the foraging uh, aspect into restaurants and does it really well. So he started, you know, going out, finding wild foods, using secondary cuts, um, to, you know, just to save costs. Uh, and then within a few years, he won his first star. And then five years after that, he won his second star. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of food they've been doing since. Um, yeah, yeah wow. so i mean that's you know it's an example of a of a chef changing his game changing his his kind of uh, thoughts on food and his ingredients to try and stay you know stay alive and end up thriving from it and then yeah mm. they've, they've been around as an independent owned restaurant they actually just lost their second ha- second star last year or year before um but yeah for 32 years now
1: which is wow. pretty incredible, which
0: is pretty yeah, incredible
1: yeah. On, on its own um, that's huge
0: yeah, some of the most amazing like an amazing chef on the Really inspiring restaurants I worked at, and um, one of the best meals I've ever had there as well. Oh, um, cool! So, yeah, there is some hope. Hopefully.
1: Hmm. All right. Well, let's um, let's begin to wrap up a, a little bit. I want to ask you, Simon. Though, um, have you? I mean, chefs are notoriously overworked and overstressed, and there are some businesses out there that are just you know like i mean if if Cavo was the only business that you had i'd i'd say you're probably you would you'd probably be um trying to do something with it potentially but um you'd probably be a less busy man than you are now uh has there been any downtime now like do you think that do you think that that, that chefs are kind of like finding themselves with a bit of time and and and, and a bit of bit of time to breathe and things like that? I mean, or is this just sort of all undermined by the stresses and anxieties of in- job insecurity and things like I, that?
0: I think for some, definitely. Like, I mean, um, I have to kind of put myself in my shoes kind of four or five years ago before I owned places. Cause it's kind of a different board game for now, for now for us, like i see most, most owners who maybe didn't work much in their restaurant are now working a lot more. Um, mm. Uh, I mean, probably not quite so busy because Kavori is kind of is just kind of in hibernation at the moment. Um, mm. And it's always been kind of less my role for the, the things that Kavo needs doing at the moment. Um, but we're still working a fair bit and we're still trying to push through some stuff and still uh, got some other things going on. Um, but I mean, if, if yeah, if I wasn't an owner, I was a chef, um, especially with this, this package coming in, if I had some savings, then... Yeah, you could treat it as a nice little holiday to do some cooking at home and you know mm. catch up on catch up on your washing, um, sort mm. out the garage you haven't done for years, which I actually did today. Funny enough. fair nice. um, so Yeah, def- yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah. It definitely. I think the stress of it doesn't make it the most relaxing of holidays, but um, definitely a time that people have been able to reflect, um, maybe work out whether they want to be in this industry, which I know some people are thinking about, um, which is sad. Uh, that we could potentially lose some some very talented people because they they can't take the stress of of the unpredictability of this industry and they'd rather take a job that's you know would, isn't affected by these things. Um, but on the flip side, it, it might make might galvanize some people what they want to do, might help people realize the food they want to do, or might have people more time to study um, to you know to become better at their job in the future. So ho- hopefully, people who aren't working and do have a time off are trying to support restaurants that are still doing stuff as much as possible, as much as their, their money allows. Um, but mm-hmm. also trying to be productive with it. Um, I don't think it's the be all or end all. I don't think people should be worried about coming out of this thing, a better person. Like if you come out this, come out the other end and you're just still a person that that's a good fucking job. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, if you've got downtime and you're just watching, you know, another series on Netflix, maybe you just pick up that old cookbook and have a flick through or, you know learn about this ingredient you didn't know about or learn about that region of, of fucking italy that you've never heard of half the grape varieties or whatever it might be hopefully people are using it to be as productive as possible or you know mm. film yourself making pasta at home and get heaps of people sliding in your dms just do that that's
1: it mate yeah? it's, it's 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 been it's been good for me when it comes to engagement you know, cook videos you yeah. might have to do yeah. a couple more yeah.
0: and if if you see um, someone's uh, someone's I'll making be some doing pasta a couple drops, more. yeah hopefully some people slide on Steph who knows
1: yeah yeah I, look let's let's wrap up and then we'll sort of finish on a light note maybe but um how would you if, if you could sort of give a few words to people in hospitality and maybe the public as well on what you'd hope to see how you'd hope to see people responding in order to to sort of get get through this as best as possible. I mean, it's probably putting you on the spot a bit, but is there, any, is there anything that you've thought, well, if people just did this, it'd make life easier or, or would help?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, from a kind of uh, smaller point, if you can go pick up from uh, from a restaurant, um, give them a call, um, order, order over the phone or send a message on social media and go pick it up, that saves us a massive amount of money um if you do like with night power for example if you like our prices are cheaper if you pick up from us than mm. if you go on we have to cover the, the you know stuff costs so yeah. i mean from a, from a small level if you can go pick up go do that um like i mean it's we we've had lots of like messages when people have ordered and picked up or got deliveries and people take photos and tag us on social media and be like miss you guys love you guys do can't, you can't wait like that that does actually really help like everyone's pretty fucking down everyone's pretty depressed like you know People have lost stuff. Things might really go in the fucking shit in the next couple of months. So, like kind words go a long way, and they always do in mm. hospitality because you always you always worry about someone not liking your food, and you hardly have time to think about the people who do really love what you do. So, kind words, uh, tags on Instagram, do actually really you know bring the mood up with everyone. Um, mm. And then yeah, just just try and eat out as much as possible. Try yeah, try not to try and shop locally. Like at a, a friend who was going to go buy like a. Just like a phone case, she's like, "I'll oh, just go to JB hyphen I was like, "Oh, just go go to the one of the guys in the mall." I assume they're probably smaller business. Like, just you know, think about where you spend your money. Um, you know, and just keep supporting us. Uh, and then when we, if we make it through, come back, have a good time. Um, and yeah, but I think just support. Like, like if you if you get a delivery, if you get a takeaway, take a picture. On your Instagram story, tag us, and then we can when well, then we can share it as well. And like content always helps, especially these times when everything is online and we're trying to get as many sales. So yeah, I guess uh, just try and support the places you like as much as possible because if you don't they, they, they won't be here. Like mm. if if we're your favourite bar, or if Moomin's your favourite bar, if it's the wolf or Dagwood or you know or Humber or wherever, wherever it is that's doing food. If if you if you want to go back there again you do need to go and spend some money with them because it's literally going to be places just not coming back. um, If you don't, Mm. um, and that, that really is the scary reality of it. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, we, we are really in the fucking shit right now.
1: Mm. I think that I, I think that like probably the most important thing that you said, which you said very quickly is, think about where you spend your money. Yeah, yeah. Like it's 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 the it's the simplest thing, but every time you need to go and spend some money somewhere, just have a think about what you're spending it on because we live in a world where you can get shit from eBay, from China, from Amazon, from whatever, for cheap and quick and easy and all that sort of stuff. But have a think about where that money's going as compared to if you find a local maker or a local grower on Instagram and you call them and you and you figure out how to buy something, whether it's in retail, you know, I mean, plug a cookbook now, but yeah, you can go online and you can buy a cookbook off Amazon and great and time buy to Jamie buy a cookbook others. as well. Not time to buy a cookbook you know or you can literally buy a cookbook that's it you can Mm. email me like a local business i mean i'm not selling shit or cookbooks right now um and and be like hey what's cookbooks should i get you can call me on the bloody phone and i can recommend one for you you know what i mean When, when it comes to buying your food when it comes to you know where you go out for dinner and things like that just think about where you spend your money and I think that if the public is continues to be conscious um and and increases their consciousness of where they spend their money that's what we're working towards in this world in general before COVID-19 before all this stuff the more people are conscious of where they spend their money on and 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 how that filters through back into their community the better off we all are um so that's that's the message for the public
0: yeah and I think like I mean people listen to this hopefully you're into food and into booze and into all these things so hopefully you're used to spending a bit of money like i mean we we, we can't compete with what dan murphy's sell, sell for wine so if your budget is a five dollar bottle of wine by all means go to dan murphy's like if if you've only got access to coles go to coles but if you if you do have access to someone else and you can afford it just go buy one really good bottle of wine from from us or babyface rather than go buy two shit ones from Dan Murphy's or like, even like rather than ordering that pizza from Domino's, order it from a local restaurant. Um, Mm. where it's like, you know, Delando or Julio's or friends or, you know, um, Napoli pizza. Like, like there's so many good pizza places. Um, you know, loop up, up up by Cavot. like, you know, just spend that extra couple of bucks and there and you know, everyone's on ordering platforms. You can still get delivered to your home, you know, don't get Macca's, get get his boy. Like just make make some little small changes like that, which I, I've tried to do as well. I've tried to not buy. I'm a little sucker for a, like a late night Dominoes when I finish work. <laughs> um, but I've just been trying to order from uh, from other places instead. Um, yep. So yeah, little changes like that make a big difference if everyone kind of does it.
1: Yeah, cool. All right. Um, and then I guess with when it comes to the hospitality industry, I think that it just has to be said. And I think that, it probably goes without saying, almost, but the hospitality industry is one of very, a sort of a close knit community within businesses, m- mostly, um, mm. and 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 businesses in hospitality are sort of, especially in Wollongong, like, they're quite. They're quite notorious for being supportive of one another, rather than being competitive. Or maybe, yeah. in, maybe in larger sort of metropolitan areas, there is a bit of competition um, and things like that. Which we, but but I think that in regional areas, definitely the places that I, uh, I've covered in in the quicksand cookbooks. Um, people support one another in places like canberra even though there is a lot of competition there is a tight-knit community there and i think that the only way for as many businesses as possible to get through this pandemic is by supporting one another in the in the way that they always have a lot of the time
0: yeah like hospitality down here has
1: been great like so we had
0: we've got the group chat um and as always when legislation comes out or people have been offering advice um and we've you know we've had other hospital staff come in for dumplings like i grabbed a fucking nice beer from wolf tonight to have after work um yeah i'm ordering food from from local people i know as much as possible but yeah it's it's just been it's been really good support um and yeah when we finally get through this and we can all have a fucking beer together we might just have to uh close down everyone's restaurants have a fucking big party i think we Mm. deserve it finally finally find out what those memes are about when it's uh if all hospital staff had the same night set had the night off. Yeah. And the next day off. Actually put that into action, see what that's actually like.
1: Yeah. For sure. Mm. Uh okay, let's start wrapping up. Um I just wanna Well actually, I'll give you a quick I'll give just- tell you a little bit about what i've been up to and what i sort of like plan to be up to down here as well we're going to continue doing these podcasts remotely between you and i simon just um chatting about this as it unfolds and maybe doing some more small bites things and just maybe a, a few sort of lighter podcasts and things like that but i'm also going to be doing some podcasts while i'm down here uh I'll soon be doing a podcast. Um, I've been doing a lot of spearfishing and diving at the moment. Since I've been down here, I've been trying to sort of like harvest a lot of my own seafood. I've got plenty of flathead in the freezer at the moment. I've got a couple of abalone in the freezer, a couple of mullet from the other day in the freezer, all of this stuff I put on my Instagram, on quicksandfood Instagram. Um, But uh, I'll soon be doing a podcast with two brothers uh, from down here. Uh, One's a sea urchin sea urchin diver commercial sea urchin diver and the other is a commercial abalone diver and they both sort of work down here on the south coast and uh one of the interesting things about the sea urchin at the moment is that uh they're destroying our sort of reef ecosystems and things like that so uh, i'll be having a chat to them about what they do and the actual sort of like realities and practicalities of being sea urchin and abalone commercial fishermen and i think that that should be a really interesting one we can talk a bit about the sustainability factor as well uh and Yeah, I'll continue to do podcasts down here too. There's plenty of local producers down here and there's also local hospitality uh, businesses and things like that that I'll be able to visit. Um, Yeah, and you and I, Simon, will continue to do some remote podcasts. So what I want to ask to our audience is please get in touch with us. Obviously, it's a time for people to be consuming content and uh, as usual, we want to hear from you. So... um, Please, if you, if you have any questions, we'd like to do a, a Small Bites podcast where we answer some questions from the audience. So if you can send through to our email, uh, email address, podcast at gmail.com or just DM either Simon or I on Instagram, quicksandfood or Simon Evans-Cavot with some questions that you'd like us to discuss in a Small Bites episode, whether it's how do you cook this or what's your favorite restaurant or tell us a stupid story about... Working in hospitality. What's the worst injury you've sustained in the kitchen? It'd be really fun to do a, a sort of an interactive Q and A sort of episode. So please get your questions in, and we'll do yeah. a, we'll do a special episode just for just for the people out there. We'd love to interact with the people, yeah. um, and then as usual just uh just just gra- just grab the food fight podcast wherever you wherever you get your normal podcast we're also on youtube now which is just the food fight podcast youtube channel where we're uploading our episodes uh, and also continue to give us give us ratings and reviews and things like that on itunes cuz it does help our ranking and people yeah. are taking interest in what we do and this podcast is growing and um, yeah like i mean this obviously this this pandemic has thrown a spanner in the works yeah. but, but
0: also if it's um if any other business owners or even just hospitality staff have any worries or any questions about what's going on right now with, with COVID, um, hit us up. We might be able to point you in the right direction, help out, offer suggestions or guidance. Very happy to do that um, for anyone in hospitality, whether it's, you know, I've lost my job. What can I do? What, what options are there? Um, any Anything anyone might be worried about, please just send us a message. Uh, and we'll try and help the best we can. Awesome.
1: Yeah, and I think finally I, I just want to give a shout-out to all the, all the businesses here on the south coast um, because w- one of the <laughs> yeah. first podcasts that we did down here was talking about how much the fires have completely devastated the industry in this region, and now they've hit, been hit by the worst double whammy you can mm. possibly even think of down here, and I'm not sure what support will be available down here, but, um, man... I mean, it, it just goes without saying that the industry on the south coast is 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 going to be completely devastated after this. And and my thoughts are with everyone down here. And you know, please get in touch with me if you want to have a chat um, on this podcast or or otherwise. Um, I'd 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 love to to speak to some of the some of the biz, business owners down here on the south coast.
0: Yeah, cool. We'll help when we can and where we can.
1: Yeah. For sure. Uh, look, there's there's plenty more that we can talk about, Simon. But maybe we'll leave it there. I think we've done a really well, yeah, long I've and really big overview. Yeah, and we're um, to start and, slinging and some dumplings from Paris. you have gonna start slinging dumplings and uh, yeah. and yeah, we'll keep this we'll keep this going as it unfolds. But um, it's good to it's good to have another chat about it and to get some info out there. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Cheers.